What's up, everybody, and welcome into the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Yes, basketball is hood. I am Jonathan Hood, and I cannot wait because the NBA playoffs are here. As a matter of fact, on Saturday night after the Trailblazers and Nuggets at 9.30 p.m. Central Time after that game, I will be teamed with Will Purdue, a four-time NBA champion. See him on NBC Sports Chicago. We will do a show together. So if you have SiriusXM and you want to check in on our show, check in late Saturday night, uh, Sirius 207XM86 or the SiriusXM app, and we will break down the NBA playoffs together on Saturday night. Look forward to talking to Will Purdue on May 22nd uh, into May 23rd because we'll be talking into the night about the NBA playoffs. And if you miss it, this is why you subscribe to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast because if you have Spotify or wherever else you download your podcast, maybe you can get a little taste of what Will and I talked about regarding the NBA playoffs. So, again, subscribe to the podcast and tell people that Jonathan Hood talks basketball. And for those that say, hey, on the Cap and J. Hood Morning Show that I host uh, with David Kaplan as we do the show together between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time, some say we don't talk enough bulls, don't talk enough basketball. Well, this is why we have the podcast to scratch your itch if you love basketball. I'd like to remind you that DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, that is a sponsor uh, of this podcast. They bring you this podcast because it's America's top-rated sportsbook for a reason. They offer nearly limitless ways to bet from live betting to prop betting, they got it all. DraftKings is the official sports betting operator of the Chicago Cubs. Is bringing you closer to the action this week with a 50% boost on your winnings on any baseball bet placed. Whether it's baseball, whether it's horse racing, whether it's basketball, get in on DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Head to the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Claim your 50% profit boost. Place any baseball bet. And if that bet wins, DraftKings will boost your winnings by an additional 50%. For a limited time only with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Illinois-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash Sportsbook for details if you or someone you know has got a gambling problem. Crisis counseling or Referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. And so if you are into the NBA and you want to be able to put some bets down on uh, these playoffs, what a great time to be able to look into DraftKings and really enjoy the game with a little bit of um, an edge, knowing that your money's on the line and you're watching the games as well. So I'm going to call Nick Friel now. Nick Friel covers the NBA for ESPN.com. You know he's a great friend of the show, a great friend of mine. And we will talk about what happened Wednesday night as we record this here on Thursday afternoon. My God, Golden State against the Lakers. That's exactly what you wanted if you're the league. We'll talk to Nick about that and go over the NBA playoffs. So let's go. NBA playoff conversation on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And there he is, my friend Nick Friedel, covers the NBA for ESPN.com. Nick, as always, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Anytime, my man. Boy, how good was that last night? Golden State, Lakers, I'm staying up watching every shot. Boy, that was a great shot in the arm for the league, wasn't it? It was huge. It was just huge. The ratings numbers have come out, and they were gigantic. I mean, the league has got to be ecstatic. ESPN has got to be ecstatic, and, and Hoodie, it, it came at the right time because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about are people as into watching the game as they were before, but when you get LeBron and Steph together, 
and they're playing at that level, it's just a really, really big deal. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, I know that in previous conversations, Nick, you and I have talked about, I don't want to use the word disinterest, but just not the same type of energy that we usually see in some NBA games in the regular season. But this playoff, the, and the play-in has not been great, but this game in particular was, was terrific. So as we finish out the, reg- the regular season, as we get ready for the playoffs, how would you sum up what you've seen in the regular season across the board? Honestly, Hoodie, it, it hasn't been great. The level of play, especially in the beginning, I think so many players, so many teams were just kind of tired mentally and physically having gone through the bubble. And so you had that group of eight teams that hadn't played and, and they were looking forward to being back together. But when you're playing in empty gyms and there's not a lot of energy from the crowd and there's not a lot of energy in the building, the, the level of play dropped off. Uh, it's unquestionable. When you watch those games early in the year, it was kind of like it had the intensity of an all-star game. And I understand why the league did it. You've got to continue generating those revenue streams. But on a broader note, if you're trying to judge how the regular season went, the level of play, the product, the entertainment value, that wasn't very good. But the fact that they played all those games and found a way to make it happen, that part was a very big deal for the health long-term-wise of the NBA. Nick, let's break down the game from last night with the Warriors and the Lakers. First of all, from the Warriors' standpoint, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a half of basketball defensively as good as Draymond Green. People look. People will open up the box score on Thursday and say, ah, two points, 41 minutes, what did he really do? If you watch the game, the intensity that Draymond brought defensively, that was key for the Warriors. That's exactly what you want if you're Steve Kerr, isn't it? And Draymond was awesome defensively, Hoodie. In fact, I asked Kerr last night, I said, he was, Draymond's been, and he's been playing great. Anybody who has been watching this team knows this isn't just a, a one or two game deal. I mean, Draymond, in the second half of the year, I'd say the last 20, 25 games or so, defensively has been awesome. But do you need a little bit more from him offensively? And Kerr said, no, you know, it, it, it's all kind of uh, hit or miss as far as how everything else plays out for the group around Steph, but buddy, I tell you, having watched Draymond, the Warriors are such a different team when he can even hit one or two shots. Mm-hmm. So for as great as he has been defensively, and I throw another name in there too, and I've long been a critic of this player, but Andrew Wiggins defensively, not only last night, but during the same stretch, he has been very good, and offensively he's still given the group 18 to 20 a night so he's kind of flown under the radar and he's trying to work out of a the narrative that he created for himself in minnesota but he really has been a difference maker for this team Uh, but if you get a little bit more from draymond offensively going into this play-in game against memphis and you're still getting the same performance from wiggins when you add steph into that mix and what he does the Warriors are a very clear favorite given the way they've been playing. 
is is it the Warriors' way? Is it the culture, Steve Kerr? What turned the corner for Andrew Wiggins? It's the question that the rest of the league is asking. And, and Hoodie, I think it's a combination of uh, the culture. I don't think that's a joke, you know. Fans here, oh, the Warriors have this culture, and we hear it throughout team sports. You, you can't have culture until you have wins. Yeah. And first and foremost, you got to have wins in order to make everything else happen. The Warriors have the credibility of being able to win, and that gives them that culture. But I, I think that Wiggins has been his his talent level was always there, but it's been unlocked by. Kerr and the coaching staff's approach to the game. And and I go back to talking to Tibbs. I mean, that's such a, a focal point. And Tibbs, to his credit, was always convinced that Wiggins would thrive in this system. And I wouldn't just put it on, well, you know, he's doing better in, in with this coaching staff compared to Minnesota's. I think he's doing better in large part, Hoodie, not only because it's the message from the coaching staff is resonating. But he's playing alongside Steph, and he's playing alongside Draymond, and he's playing along guys who are going to end up in the Hall of Fame who know how to approach everything day to day. And that was not the case always in Minnesota. Uh, I know Jimmy was there for that year and change, but, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, that the, uh, the, the, the answer is out on him now. Yeah. I and mean, they change the coach, they change the GM, they trade Wiggins, they bring in Russell. That team is still really bad. And for as much talent as Towns has, he is not the type of number one leader on a team that's going to go uh, win you a title or, or be in that playoff conversation at the top of the West year after year. So I think all those different factors in play have led Wiggins to a point where. He's not only playing the best basketball of his career, but this part is crucial, Hoodie. The Warriors were always convinced. You acquire Wiggins and you plug him in the role behind Steph, Draymond, and Clay, and you make him basically the the fourth option, Um, not necessarily on offense, but like the fourth guy uh, on uh, the hierarchy of a team, and he's going to really be even better. And so... When Clay Thompson comes back next year, I think Wiggins will be able to take another uh, step in his own progression. Not only are you covering the NBA, Nick, but you're covering one of the all-time greats on a regular basis with Steph Curry. You you watch? I mean, it was if you've never watched Steph before, you saw a guy that was running away without the basketball, just running with you know, being able to cut to be able to get himself in a position to score without the basketball. And then on top of that, scoring 37 points, um, I mean, it's it's got to be a pleasure for you every night to see a guy as one of the all-time greats, not just from a shooting standpoint, but understanding the game and doing what he can at his position. I've never seen anything like it, Hoodie. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to take away from the greatness of LeBron. I mean, he's unbelievable. You and I have watched him for years and years, been lucky enough to see him a lot because of all those times he went up against the Bulls. He's an all-time great as well. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I have never seen anybody prepare the way Steph does. The inner workings of the game and his ability to play off the ball and create his own space with how he moves 
this is what I, I always have to remind people when they're like, oh man, Steph, he's he's awesome, huh? Hey, back in a normal world, you would go to practice and you'd, you'd walk in the gym. Who is the guy who is taking all this time after practice to go through his own shooting routine? It's Steph Curry. Who's the guy in the summers who's putting in all the time to continue to get better? It's Steph Curry. You and I know that in order to make it on this level in the NBA, everybody's got to put in extra time. <laughs> you, you've got to be able to work. You can't just be relying uh, on your talent. But what has been so impressive to me after two and a half years out here is that this guy every day backs it all up with how he approaches the game. He wants to be great, and he understands that in order to be great, you got to continue to put in the work even after you've been a two-time MVP and even after you've won three titles. And that's the coolest part to me is that Steph has no doubts in his mind. His confidence is as high as any athlete I've ever covered. And the reason that confidence is so high is because he puts in an incredible amount of work to be great every single day. Huh, I thought LeBron James wasn't clutch. I, I mean, it's, I never got that one. I mean, you and I was in there. I don't know what was that twenty fifteen, or he's he's knocking down the shot over Jimmy that wins him game four, and then you know, forty five minutes later, he's blasting David Blatt. <laughs> play, he drew up, I scratched it. The dude is clutch. The dude is awesome. Anybody who can't recognize that when you're watching LeBron. Just as not being real with themselves. I mean, he. I mean, another. I mean, just a big shot. You you expect that from Steph Curry because he's done it time and time again. But here's the old man. Here's LeBron James, the goat for this generation, being able to hit, knock, down, knock down the big shot. What'd you think of that moment at the end? You just kind of shake your head. And I thought Steph actually gave a great quote on that shot. But he said, "All time great players." Make great shots. That's just what happens. And, and he's right. Yeah. <laughs> when you go back in time, even in the last 20, 30 years, Kobe hit those shots. Michael obviously hit many, many of those shots. But when you, a, an all-time great has the ball late, and you don't think you have a chance, and it's a broken possession, and the shot clock's running out, they always find a way. And it it didn't surprise me that much, I'll tell you that for sure. The fact that he did it right over Steph only added to the lore of it. But the guy repeatedly takes his game to a different level when his team needs it the most. It's been the case all along. It's still the case now. And it's why... You have to believe in the Lakers' chances even this year as injured and as up and down as that roster has been together because they still have that dude, and that dude still can change the game seemingly whenever he wants. Let's talk about the closing moments of that game because and it's not controversial, Nick, but it's, I do have questions, and you can answer this better than anyone because you covered the team. So... Okay, so you have about 12 seconds left, and I was hoping that Steve Kerr would talk to the training, the trailing official to get a timeout. 
Now, I've seen the Warriors just go in that scenario, right? Like, okay, we got 12 seconds left. If we get it to Steph, we're good. However, in the backcourt, what I remember, and this is really a hallmark of the of the Lakers' defense, we talk so much about Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Hats off to Caruso, right? Caruso is not going to stop Steph Curry, but he's going to slow him down. I thought I saw a double team in the backcourt where they could not get the ball to Steph, and I thought there should have been a timeout there. And then, of course, there's Steve Kerr in uh, on the Lakers bench pretty much calling a timeout. Now it's 2.1 seconds. And I'm thinking at the time, I'm like, oh, they're going to put time on the clock, right? No, it's still 2.1 seconds. So there's two schools of thought. I've seen the Warriors just go and be able to make that key shot. Or should have Steve Kerr been able to get that trail official to get a timeout with about, you know, nine, ten seconds left so I can set something up? I think the hardest part in the explanation there, Hoodie, is you're right on it. I think Kerr has only ever wanted everything to play out because he didn't want to put the Lakers in a position where they would foul and you wouldn't even have the chance for Steph to take the shot. So they just got caught in between what they were hoping would happen and what actually did. In in hindsight, of course, you'd like to call that timeout a little sooner and save the the clock that's remaining and set up a play. But so many times in the play that comes to my mind is that play in OKC years back, the Mike Breen double bang. Yeah. When, with Steph walking down the floor and hitting like a 35 footer and you're going, ah, well, you didn't have to call a timeout there. Historically, the Warriors don't like to do that because they like to keep things moving. But yeah, looking back, if you're, if you're current, I'm sure Steve would say, I, I could have handled that a little differently. And then it was such a, a mess at the end. And there was so many different things going on that I, I've never seen a coach come that far. Huh. At that center court, he was like next to Vogel. Right. Vogel, you can tell Vogel looked up like, the hell? <laughs> like, what's, what's going on? So uh, it, that's just the way things played out. But uh, I, I think uh, his heart was always, let's see how this pl- uh, uh, plays out for Steph because we've seen it work so many times. It just didn't work this time with how everything else was going. At 2.1 seconds left, it's 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 not impossible, but it's improbable for you to get a shot off. You saw how that ended. It, a little bit of a flat finish, but I, I really thought the officials were going to give at least a little bit more time on the clock, and it just never happened. So, so the Lakers win. And so now it's the Warriors against Memphis, and I think that smart money says that the Warriors can get this done. I, I still see life in the Warriors beating the Memphis Grizzlies. I do too, and having watched that game the other day, the <laughs> the game for now the eight seed. I mean, but it still cracks me up. The league won it so bad to to recreate the intensity from that Timberwolves Nuggets game from a few years back. Mm-hmm. That was a legit game eighty two. They play in for the eight spot, and now they had it <laughs> this year, but it really didn't count the same way because they already had the play-in tournament in place. When you watch that game, the Warriors are just a better team, in my opinion. They're more talented. They have Steph. But, and this is where I'm I'm a little concerned having watched this Warriors group all season long. Hoodie, Draymond and Steph played 41 minutes each last night. They're only running about eight deep rotationally. You just don't know what you're getting night to night after Steph 
Draymond, and I include Wiggins at this point because he has been so solid most of the year, especially in those last couple months. After those three, uh, and Looney, although Looney doesn't play as many minutes, who else is going to be able to step up against a young and hungry Memphis team that didn't get there last year because they, they switched the rules on everybody, uh, the league did, and now is about to have a a chance to to take down Steph Curry. I I think they're going to come in really motivated. I think the game is going to be really tight. I would still pick the Warriors, but after what they invested emotionally into that game against the Lakers, and they had it, and they probably should have won it, and they didn't, I'm just curious to see how much is left in the tank on Friday night. Uh, how's LeBron's eyes? You okay? I know he was holding his head. I think he's gonna make it. Okay, just making sure. I mean, it. I mean, the the head. Yeah, he was holding everything, holding parts that uh, wasn't hurting. I just want to make sure he's okay. He's referencing, he's referencing uh, Duke and Pauly from Rocky Four with Rachel Nichols after the game. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> you know, go for the one in the middle. I was expecting LeBron. Uh, I'm still expecting him in game one against the Suns to, to walk in with that pirate patch, like one-eyed Willie and the Goonies. You know, he's, he's just, he's like, all right, I'm, I'm ready to go now. I, you know, I, I, I don't like the histrionics, uh, and we've seen him for years in Chicago, uh, but you cannot deny the guy's greatness, and he's that good. And I know out here in the Bay, after that game last night, a lot of people were like, oh, I'm so sick of this guy flopping around and, and doing all he's doing and saying what he's saying with the eye and everything else. It does not matter. He hit the shot. He's repeatedly made the plays in his career, and he is one of the best who has ever done it. Uh, keep in mind, Nick, you never see triple vision. It's usually double vision, but that's fine. Uh, let me get you. It makes the story better. Yeah. Man. Oh, jeez. I saw three rims. You, you saw one. Okay, and, and you know, you know how I know you saw one. Uh, just two words, um, you know, basic foul, pretty yeah. much, right? That's what they were. That was that's what it was called. It was not a flagrant. It was just a yep. just yep. a foul. Okay, so there you have it. I'm looking forward to the playoffs, my friend, because maybe this maybe the intensity can uh, turn up a little bit. Let me get your thoughts on a couple of these games. So it starts off on Saturday with the Heat and the Bucks. Just want to know. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy and the and the Heat have not been the same team they were in the bubble. But you know, Jimmy's always going to give you some quality. What do you? How do you think that series will go? You are talking to someone, as you well know, who actually picked the Heat last year to beat the Bucks. Correct. In that second round, and people are like, "What the hell? There's no way they're beating the Bucks." And Giannis will take over. I was really high on the Heat throughout most of the time in the bubble, but that heat group is not this heat group. And with the context in place, Hoodie, and with the way that things were approached uh, last season in Milwaukee, seen it on tape, how Jimmy and Bam Adebayo and that group will defend Giannis now. Uh, I think this is Milwaukee's time to shine. This is their moment. They can come in a little under the radar because of the success that Philly and Brooklyn have had in the regular season. We don't know how Drew Holiday is going to play in the postseason on this team, but he's a hell of a player, and now is the time. This is why you you bring a player of his caliber in. I just don't like what I see from Miami this year. It just seems like they are 
they don't have the same cohesiveness. And I know a lot of that was due to the COVID breakout and the protocols and, and the injuries that popped up through the season. But I would be surprised if Milwaukee didn't win. Uh, I think they're just a better team, and I think they're going to prove it in this series. And I'd add this uh, at the end. If Milwaukee doesn't win, and, and we'll see how far they go, uh, but Budenholzer is gone. Yeah. He is absolutely coaching for his job, not only in this series, but in this playoff stretch. I would imagine, as you mentioned, Milwaukee, a little bit more seasoning this time around in the playoffs. They are a better team than the Heat. The Heat will do all they can defensively to try to slow them down. Milwaukee is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in Game 1 on Saturday, so we'll see that. I'll just skip around here and go to the Celtics and Nets. Is it okay for me to see just Jason Tatum and not the Celtics in this series against the Nets? Like, I don't want to see the Celtics anymore. No, I'm serious, Nick. That's enough of it. Like, you talk about one of the more underachieving teams in the NBA. Injuries or not, ineptitude or not, the Celtics should be better than 500. I, we're not surprised when the Nets gets, gets this done in short fashion. Uh, me neither. It's just a matter of how motivated is that group and how quickly they can find their own rhythm. This has been the question that's hovered around them all year, Hoodie. It's not that uh, people don't think the Nets can do it. A lot of people think the Nets can do it. It's can they play together as one with so few reps beforehand. I, I don't think they're going to have any issue with Boston. You lose Jalen Brown, and that, that is just a huge blow. And with the way that Brooklyn can play when Harden and KD and Kyrie are all out there, if they can find that rhythm early in this series, uh, I think they're just going to uh, blow right past the Celtics. How about on Sunday at the Garden, Madison Square Garden, with the Hawks oh. and the Knicks? So, uh, so, so clearly, listen, Tom Thibodeau is my coach of the year. It's what we talked about earlier in the season, Nick. They're running stuff. It looks, it looks competent. That's all you needed is to be able to have a belief system and put something in there. No surprise that the Knicks are the best team or one of the best teams in the NBA defensively. But I, but you know, as good as Julius Randle has been this year and as disciplined as the Knicks have been, that Hawks team can fill it up, man. They, I mean, Bogdanovich, Trey Young, Collins. I mean, they they have a lot of scoring there. So it's going. So the Knicks are just a one point favorite going into Sunday's game against the Hawks at Madison Square Garden. That series is going to be a dogfight, my man. And, and it's a really good point about Atlanta. I mean, Nate McMillan. Yeah, <laughs> man, or Nate McMillan comes out and gets fined twenty five grand <laughs> for for discussing the. The bias he feels the league has and wanting the Knicks to, to do it uh, and get through. I, that one, out of all the fines that we see, I was like, Nate McMillan? <laughs> he didn't say boo. He doesn't bother anybody, Nate McMillan. He's fine. <laughs> so, I, I, you and I have watched Tibbs' teams for too long to think in this kind of uh, series – when you have, when you had, I mean, he's had a week to now prepare his game plan. He's going to have another week through the series to adjust to whatever Atlanta does. To me, that's the difference. When you're when you're looking at two teams that are measured pretty evenly, and Vegas uh, says as much that 
that the, the 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 spread is where it's at. You give the advantage to the coach you believe can put the best game plan together. And I've just watched Tibbs for too many years uh, in this kind of setting not be able to put a defensive game plan to at least slow down Trey Young and and slow down Bogdanovich. Not that they're not going to get hot and rolling at some point, uh, but this Knicks team looks so much like that first Tibbs Bulls team when everybody was on the same page. Uh, and I would be I'd be surprised again if the Knicks didn't get it done uh, because they they have guys like Taj and Derek and uh, uh, Randall is so hungry to prove that he's on that top tier. They've got a lot of players that, that want to have this as their moment. I know Atlanta does too, but I guess I'm I'm giving the advantage to the Knicks because of all that history with Tibbs. I understand that the Lakers are the champions, but this I, I'm looking forward to this series against the Suns. It's a step up in class, but the Suns have been a positive story in in in, in a kind of a bleak NBA regular season. I love the stories of the Suns. I I want to pull the trigger and give them the benefit of the doubt. Only reason why is because LeBron's over there with that hair dryer on the thigh, still trying to. He's, so he, he, so he, he had the hair dryer out again, trying to get that that thigh ready so why can't the Suns beat the Lakers in this series uh, the answer there is because they haven't been through this before together yes uh, and I've always believed that that was worth something now, how much that that's in the eye of the beholder but when you haven't gone through these situations and you haven't uh, had that type of pressure together uh, I think that counts for something now as far as Phoenix goes, hoodie Chris Paul, I I think he is uh, really proven that his career has a little more left. And after watching him in Houston a couple years ago in that series against the Warriors, I, w- I wasn't sure. I, it was kind of sad as somebody who grew up watching Chris Paul and enjoying his game, seeing him flopping around uh, when when he's playing with Harden and, and he wasn't able to, to make the same plays that he's making now. Good for him. Booker, Aiton, they're going to get a taste of postseason experience. But I'm just not betting against LeBron. I'm not going to do it. I've watched him for far too many years to think that he can't make everybody else around him lift up their own games. Anthony Davis, I know he's not shooting it as well, but he's still an unbelievable player. And as much as I like Monty Williams... And I've always believed, I mean, I'm thinking through, you and I were talking about how he should have taken over the Bulls. Yeah. You know, all those years ago after Tibbs. Uh, I, I, I like Monty a lot, but I, I think that Vogel, I mean, Vogel's never going to get the credit he probably deserves going back to last year, but uh, he will be motivating these guys and saying, you guys just did this uh, not even a year ago. You went through it. You made it happen. You've got the best player uh, in the game the, uh, of the last decade on your team that you can lean on. Uh, just push forward, and we'll find a way through an uh, inexperienced Phoenix squad. Frank Vogel is the 18th most interesting thing about the Lakers. I, I, and that's the scariest part <laughs> about all this. Like, there's so many subplots and storylines, but uh, I, Vogel has found a way to put his own voice and imprint on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. 
And uh, as a fan of the game, uh, the fact that he did that uh, at this stage for not only his career, but their, the LeBron's career and what he's been through, I, I credit to him because I wasn't sure that was ever going to happen. I just want to make sure that people, if people have not seen the quote from Nate McMillan, he said that uh, the NBA wants the Knicks in the playoffs and that a lot of calls probably won't go our way. Wow. Nate, what Nate? What the hell, Nate? Who? I mean, what? That's like one of the nicest guys. What the hell? Don't say that, Nate. It was like he he sat down for that Zoom hoodie with like a check in his back pocket. He's like, you know what? And we've seen it before. It was like David Griffin the other day, just lighting the league on fire for the uh, the Zion stuff, which was so over the top. But you know, hey, you want that fine? You want? Uh, stand up for your players and your organization, fine. But, wow, I mean, Nate, go get them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they need this. New York, this is a big market for the league, and New York has been out of the playoffs <laughs> for a number of years. I mean, what is he, Kwame Brown? What is he doing? <laughs> I can just see somebody sitting in the league office like, what? Somebody's <laughs> on that Zoom like, what? What? The, what is going on? I mean, the, 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 oh, wow. I mean, the, the late David Stearns finding him 50,000 50, from the grave. I mean, what are you talking about, he's, Nate? He's, he's screaming. He's screaming somewhere. What the hell? I, I, <laughs> Nate. I mean, what, like, so you want the officials against you? You want to go home early? Like, what? Oh, I, don't, I don't understand that. So if I give you Utah or the field, you'll take the field, right, in the West? Oof, oof. Yes, uh, and uh, again, history, context, I, I thought Utah was the leap that they appeared to be on the verge of taking right now is the one I thought they'd take last year. And if if Bogdanovich doesn't get hurt and they, they don't have the issues with Mitchell and Gobert, you know, who knows? But I thought Utah always had the talent within them to to get to a different point. So... I'm really not surprised that they've pushed it to where they're at, but this goes back to the Phoenix conversation, Hoodie. This is a team that's never really done anything in the postseason, so you got to prove it. Can they do it? Yeah, I think they could. I think the league is sitting there going, oh, my gosh, Utah in the finals. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's a different story. But uh, do the Jazz have the talent? Yes, Uh, Quinn Snyder has put them in good position. Can Donovan Mitchell take uh, the the next step in his own career to superstardom? Uh, we're going to find out right now. But if you were giving me Utah or the field, absolutely, I'm taking the field. Um, lastly, I want to ask you about Marv Albert uh, and his retirement. Um, for our my generation and your generation as well, Marv Albert uh, is the is still the voice of the NBA. So, what was your initial reaction to that news? It's kind of sad. I've watched Marv just like you have for all these years, and he, he really is. He's, he's the voice of the game. Uh, one of my earliest childhood memories watching the NBA was when, when Michael switched hands against the Lakers, and, and you're just like, and, and you're just hearing Marv just, <laughs> just go crazy, and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah. And to be in in on that kind of stage, I think at 37 now, having done the job that I've done for you know over a decade, and, and being in and around this league, when you're 
doing it at that kind of high level for so, so long, you have to be so, so good at what you're doing. That's why I have so much respect for Mike Breen, uh, who, who has done such an unbelievable job uh, as that kind of national voice. But, but Marv was the first voice for me, and he was that voice for such a long time. Uh, and to have gotten to this uh, stage is, is just awesome. Uh, and I, I wish him nothing but the best in retirement. But uh, it was kind of sad. And, and look, this is part of life. Time goes on, uh, things change. But he has been such a uh, a figurehead for NBA broadcasting for so so long that uh, when when that news came out, it it, it definitely was a moment to remember. You know how old uh, I am now, and, and how long he's been doing it at a, at a really high level. Uh, Bulls out of the playoffs. Thank you. Man, that deal. I, 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 well, deal. I, I mean, listen. I, I mean, um, I didn't think much of Indiana, but then you saw in the play-in game they actually step up. I, I didn't think. I think the Bulls at full strength could be as good as Charlotte or Indiana, but clearly not, right? I mean. This is I did not expect the playoffs this year. I look forward to the offseason and figure out how they're going to be able to get more, a lead guard or more scoring on that team. Well, how this is the, when you make that kind of deal, and this would have been my argument from day one. This isn't, you know, this, <laughs> I'm reminded of Steve Stone speaking of my childhood with Marv. Yep. Steve Stone saying this is a this is a first guess. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not second guessing. I'm I'm first guessing in the moment. When you make that deal and you're trading away your future draft picks and then you don't even make it into the playing tournament, how, how are you going to get that much better unless you, you get the luck of, of bouncing to the, the top of the draft? I mean, I, I really like Vucevic. You, I, I've watched him for years because of my, my ties to Orlando. I, I think he's a really good player. Uh, Levine has turned into a really good player, but there are levels of all-stars in the league. And I thought that the Bulls and, and so many people in the, the city, they got too tied up on, oh, we got two all-stars. Well, you, you've got two guys who made the all-star games. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you have two franchise-changing talents. Uh, and now with Levine, you, you know, he wants... A, a max deal, more power to him if he can get it. But this is your team. And so do I think they can be better when he's on the floor and, and he's not dealing with the COVID protocols? Of course, and he'll be better with Vucevic after another year. The point always is, what is the ceiling for this group? And that's the part I never understood about this deal. This team traded Jimmy Butler in large part because not only did they not feel he was the face of a title team, but they didn't want to be that team that got bounced in the second round of the playoffs every year. Uh, and at its best, that's what I feel this this Bulls group is. And you can say, okay, well, you could get a free agent and uh, you can add. It's an easier add when you got two stars in place. Uh, okay, but every other team in the world wants to add a free agent. Right. And a top one at that. So I, I just, right when it happened, I went, uh, I, I don't know. And then to not make the playoffs and to have to uh, potentially send that pick this year to Orlando, that one is going to hurt. 
it's interesting perspective if you have. You said it's just two guys that made the All-Star game instead of just having actually two All-Stars. It is two different right. things, right? That's interesting. <laughs> well, it's, if Jimmy's healthy, Hoodie, as great as Levine played, and look, people always say, oh, you never thought he was worth the deal in the first place. Right, absolutely. He has outperformed that initial contract. He's proven me wrong. But you are, you are going to look at Zach Levine much differently uh, and in a different prism when he's making 40-plus million a year, not 20. And you can put up all the numbers you want. You go back to... How does he look defensively, and how is that rating? It's not good. And does he make everybody else around him better? You can't deny that he's improving. He's going to get better, but he has never been on a team that has been worth a damn. They, they've never won anything. And so that was always my, my point all along was when you have a player uh, with who's up for that kind of contract, Maybe the move is to, to deal him away and load up the rest of your roster. And the Bulls went a, the complete opposite direction. <laughs> they right. went, hey, we're going to build with this guy and we're going to add another guy. And to have that happen and not make the postseason, I, oof, it, it just it hurt. I mean, you know, I've got so many friends still uh, in the organization that I've known for a long, long time. Uh, and the league we're, we're talking about the Knicks and Nate McMillan's comments the league is in such a better place when the Bulls are relevant and uh, they're just not right now and I think it's going to be a while if this is the core that you have in place when you're given Lavina Max deal and you've got Vucevic in the fold I, I just don't see what the ceiling is as far as true championship contention I could tell this on the air as I let you go Nick um, I was told the other day that um, <laughs> somebody in the Bulls organization talked to somebody at ESPN 1000 about me. And they asked, well, now, what kind of guy is Jay Hood? And the guy said, well, you know, Jay Hood's a great guy. You know, we have he's doing a great job on the morning show. He's, he's always been a great guy and a great teammate. And the guy that were in the Bulls organization said, you know, Gar Foreman really didn't like Jay Hood very much. He said he said Pax Pax he said Pax tolerated Jay Hood. He thought his coverage of the Bulls is unfair, even though their asses were underachieving all those years. But but my coverage was unfair. But um, but Gar really didn't like me. I I tell I tell that just I'm thinking back to all those late nights on draft night. Yeah, right. The, the late night hour. Anybody who was with us all those years were Gar and Pax. Yes, <laughs> would come and sit down. Those were those were some of the best interviews of the year. Tense. And nobody heard of tense unless they <laughs> up all the way because it was happening so late. But the awkwardness was always off the charts. And man, do I miss the old days in that regard, my friend. Tense. Just, Pretty tense, uh, huh, Nick? You remember was, those days? <laughs> It was something. But here's here's the punchline. Here's the punchline, right? You know that I had a good relationship with Gar because when I would... I mean, you saw this in person. Talking to Gar, smiling, having a conversation. The interview is always... I mean, between me and Gar. Here's the thing. Here's how slippery Gar is. I thought our relationship was fine, right? (laughs) 
Because if he had an issue with me, all he had to do was tell me, right? If he had an issue with you, he'd tell you. But he didn't tell me. I, I was with him beak to beak, face to face. He had every opportunity to say whatever he wanted to say to me and never did. Oh, but I just want you to know, Gar was never a fan. Well, how come you didn't tell me? How great is that, huh? All those years. And how many times did I tell you, yeah, you know, Pax doesn't really like me very much, but Gar, you know, Gar, Gar and I are fine. I guess not. And there you have it. There you have it, pal. Wow. Yeah, you know, wow. It's it, <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, what a what a great moment in time. Slippery. That whole time was. Nikki had every oh. Nikki had every opportunity to tell me, "Hey, I don't like your cover." His wife listened to to me at night and thought I did a, a fine job. That my coverage was fair. You recall this, right? She was there at the at the Advocate Center. There. It's just it's funny. It's funny how the business works. Now maybe that's just that guy's perception that works in the front office of the Bulls, but it's just that's what he just decided to offer the person from the station to tell him about me. Like, oh, okay. Well, uh, I never got that. Now, 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 me and Pax, me and Pax, icy, icy, as you well know, very icy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So. Oh my gosh. There you have it, Nick. See, it's not the fr- it's not the sunshines and balloons in San Francisco that you deal with. No, no, no. Well, oh yeah, I, right, that's right, that's right. But I, did, <laughs> I, I, I would leave it on on this front too. This is what always cracked me up, and this goes far deeper than just Gar, but it it makes sense in, in the context of this conversation. Whenever you hear an executive or a coach say that they don't pay attention to what is said, in our case. Uh, at the station, doing shows or uh, what's written. That is just completely ridiculous. <laughs> because every executive or coach that I have come across, they all pay attention. They all want to know. I mean, if you're if people are writing about your job all the time, wouldn't you want to know what they they thought of your performance or, or your team? Or, of course. Uh, Etc. So that <laughs> of course, part. there's a much deeper conversation on a lot of this, but that's the part that uh, even as somebody who who had a pretty good relationship with Gar for all those years, that that's what always cracked me up. Is that sure, he would say, ah, "I don't pay attention to that stuff." Everybody does. Uh, everybody does, and it, it's just part of the deal. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I had, I thought I had a good relationship with Gar too. I, should I, should I put out screenshots of our text messages over the years? No, I don't. I mean, but no, he didn't like him very much. Oh, oh, that's a surprise. And ladies and gentlemen, there it is. There's the business right there. <laughs> so there you go. Where's our? We're breaking the fourth wall sounder. Yeah, exactly. That's what I just thought I'd offer that. That uh, I want to loop you in on that conversation on the record, so people would know. So there you have it. My uh, my friend is well, always. I'm here for you. Well, well, for you, you. well you always are. So uh, I appreciate it, my friend. Let's talk again in the playoffs. We'll see how far the Warriors and how the West is going to be able to set up. Uh, I'm going to be with Will Purdue after the Portland game. We'll be on Sirius XM NBA Radio, Sirius 207 XM 86 in the Sirius XM app. I look forward to working with Will. We'll break down all the playoffs on Saturday night, so that'll be fun. Well, and I can't wait to see if Tibbs does get the next, the, the Knicks into that next round, into the second round hoodie. I think that 
Cap may petition the city of Chicago to have a parade in Tibbs on <laughs> <laughs> We should do the show in New York. Take that. <laughs> what are you doing here? I've never really understood the take that nation, but yes. maybe, yeah, that's, maybe that's part of the whole deal. That's right. We go from Chicago to New York and then beyond and see what happens. That's right. I mean, take that nation as whoever's listening. That's just part of the carnival, <laughs> part in the part part of the the traveling cocaine circus that is Cap and J Hood. Oh, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I miss you, my man. Miss you, man. And uh, let's talk again soon here as we get uh, the un- the playoffs underway. You got it.